Welcome back to Talking Troy. I'm your host, Anthony Grieb, Deputy Sports Editor at Daily Trojan. I'm here with Taylor Mills, Sports Editor. Taylor, how's it going? It is going well, guys. Um, <laughs> March is on Monday, and I don't know how I feel about it because that means that it's been 12 months in quarantine. Uh, so make of that what you will. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's terrifying. I can't. Believe it. It's March, literally. I think by the time this episode comes out, it is March, and I, I don't know any positives to say about that. But yeah, it is March. <laughs> but but we're gonna be positive today. That is the goal. If you're wondering, David Ramirez, sports editor, will be joining us later on to preview or talk about women's basketball who just lost against UCLA. But we will have to start with. The story of men's basketball, the up and down roller coaster. Last time we talked with our great friend Sean, shout out to him from Arizona. Please don't watch that podcast or listen to it ever again because we were all completely wrong and we all said that US, USC would blow them out and it would be an easy win. But then they lost. So we don't have to discuss that ever again. That's the last time we're talking about it on this podcast ever. But now, we have to move on to more things. They obviously had a game against Oregon, which is pretty impressive, and then obviously a loss against Colorado. Taylor, in your opinion, what stood out from this past week of Trojan basketball? A roller coaster of a team is the most correct term that you could possibly use. Um, from going from such a dominant win over Oregon to such an embarrassing loss at Colorado. Um, yeah, and including Sean's uh, podcast appearance, we might have had our journalism cards revoked during that, uh, but uh, we were just so incredibly wrong. Um, but looking forward, I mean, that's all we have to do at this point. Um, we have Utah tomorrow night, and uh, the current number 19 Trojans, which is subject to change, um, really handled them pretty easily in January um, with the 20-point win. Um, so I'm really not interested in this game tomorrow night. Um, I just think that it's going to be good for their mojo and for their momentum. Um, the Trojans were out rebound over by Colorado by only one, but overall, like looking at that game as frustrating as it was, we just did not have that offensive efficiency that Colorado did. Um, when that team is shooting over 50% from the three point line, like it's respectable by the fact that you lost. Like, that's going to happen um, because that's pretty insane. Uh, but on our side of the ball, like, we just didn't take care of things. We turned over, like, ten times, I think. Um, and those things are key, especially early in the game. And so by second half, like, our team just looked like we had thrown in the towel um, and, like, that it, that they were just going to throw this game. Um, and, you know, maybe Andy Enfield was giving his squad a break. I understand that approaching March, your mind might be somewhere else, might be on the Pac-12 tournament, might be on the NCAA tournament itself, but dude, like every game counts and you just can't do that. And I don't know if it's a Colorado thing because we've lost six of our last games with this squad, uh, but for a ranked team, that's just really unacceptable in my opinion. And so, you know, I'm upset about it, but you know what, move, move, keep moving forward. So, um, yeah, that's all I really have to say about that week. Yeah, Colorado at this point is giving me nightmares. I don't know what goes on with this team and this squad. You mentioned some key things, though, getting out-rebounded. Even though if it was only one, it seemed like it was like 10 because they were just not being active on boards and getting outworked. And then the three-point shooting from Colorado was just absurd. I mean, they were just draining everything. I think Dryhorn had like 24 points 
And I think he had like six or five or six threes, which is just crazy to think about. Every time USC was making a run, they would just answer with another three. So it just, I mean, that game, in my opinion, it wasn't meant for them to win. And the Arizona one kind of similar. They were out-rebounded, and the effort was really low. I was super surprised watching it. They just came out very lethargic, just didn't care. Seemed like it wasn't wasn't in them to win. And the Oregon Oregon game was a bright spot, but there were some bad moments, you know, especially having the lead get cut down after being up. I think it was about 24 uh, was their highest margin. And then having it cut down to 10, obviously they were able to maintain it, but you know there were some lapses defensively and, and all that. But like you said, I mean, we got to forget about this week. Let's go to the next one. And I think Utah is a good game for their mojo, like you said. I think it's going to be important to get that win. If you, if you lose against Utah, uh, you know, there's some things that need to be fixed because that'll be rough. I'm not saying anything about Utah. I don't want to take anything back because last week we were talking all that smack about Arizona and then it came back to bite us. So I will not mention Utah or anything. I just say that USC should win. That's it. But against or a Stanford, who's coming in on Wednesday, that's an important game because the last time that USC played Stanford, they didn't have three of their starters. And I'm I'm assuming that Zaire Williams and a couple of other guards will be back. So that'll be important to see that matchup. And if they can win two in a row heading into UCLA, which is next Saturday, then that'll be big. But, I mean, what do you think about the implications that it has on, you kind of talk about it, but going into March Madness and the seeding? Because I swear every year, and I checked today the projections for them to be a fifth seed. And I don't know about you, but every year I see a fifth seed get upset by 12th seed. So what do you think will happen in terms of the seeding? And is there a possibility that they can, you know, drop back to the fourth seed or, you know, what's going on over there? Not to put you on the spot, but I am putting you on the spot. Yeah, no one has a magic eight ball or a glass crystal to look forward and see. Um, That's the beauty of March Madness. And maybe that is something we have to look forward to with it being March. Um, But you know, in terms of Stanford in this next week, yeah, Utah, let's put that in the bag. Let's say that for sure. But again, don't want to jinx it. But for Stanford, I think the big question is going to be like, is Evan Mobley going to show up? Is our starting squad going to show up? Because quite honestly, they've taken the bat seat. And at the worst time possible, right? And that's kind of always how it goes. And going into March, it really truly is about which team has the most momentum. Okay, because these are a lot of games to play. And it's really easy to like, throw in the towel. I mean, what motive do they have when this tournament really isn't the tournament that it's supposed to be, you know? Um, So I think these next couple of games are really going to dictate how much motivation this team has and if we can actually be like hype men for them. Um, Because quite honestly, like this past week, they've shown that they've kind of put the foot off the gas a little bit. And so, you know, as disappointing as it is, I think they will hopefully um, get on track again. But uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of Evan Mobley, who's now a finalist for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award, which was announced today, which is huge, um, can he live up to that? And uh, not to put pressure on the big man, but we're kind of counting on it. That's a good point. I actually hadn't even thought of that because, and it's also important because the last time USC played Utah, he didn't even have a field goal made, I think. And and they still won by 20, but that was a big story. I remember watching that game. I was like, well, you know, where's Evan? So if he comes out tomorrow with that kind of assertiveness, that aggressiveness to kind of get into a groove, it's going to be important because you're playing bigger games now. I mean, it's about, it's literally about to be March and everything after, I mean, there's no, there's no April games. So you want to let it all go right now. And in terms of Evan Mobley, he's, he's, I mean, 99.9% a one and done. So he's going to have to just let it all out right now. 
And that, that's a good point to see what he's doing. And I'm still a little worried about, you know, can Drew Peterson get into the groove? We've talked about it before. Can he get into some type of rhythm? Because that just elevates his team to different heights. But it'll be an interesting week. They obviously play uh, Utah and Stanford. Stanford is a, is a game that was supposed to be played on Monday, the March, or not March, sorry, February 22nd. But it was the Oregon game that replaced that. And then that Stanford game was moved uh, to March third the Wednesday so that's when it'll happen and then obviously UCLA which is probably the do or die game whoever wins that is the Pac-12 champion but we'll get into that next time so in terms of women's basketball their season or their regular season has concluded they had a tough loss against UCLA pretty up and down for them but uh, we do have David David Ramirez by the way last week he had the carb overload he has recovered thankfully uh, for whoever watched or listen to Troy, talking Troy last week. He is all right. Thank you for the concern. But, David, what's going on with women's basketball? Yeah, things have not been going well for the women's basketball team. They're coming off a 93-51 loss to UCLA Friday. Um, things have not been, been going well the last few weeks. I think last time we talked, they were still slipping in the net rankings, clinging on to a, one of those last spots. I think they were ranked around 55th in that ranking. Um, they were ranked, they dropped to 70th, um, and now they just had this loss to UCLA. So things are are not looking good. That game against UCLA, they kind of kept it tight. I think after 10 minutes, it was like 14 to 11. Um, UCLA just hit a ton of threes. I think they hit seven threes in the second quarter, opened up a double-digit lead, didn't really look back. Um, similar story in the Oregon game. These top-level teams are having these these big runs, and USC just having trouble um, staying with them. Um, it's been an unfortunate season, really, because I think there were was a lot of excitement. Um, Coach Track had a lot of excitement going into the season for this team. It's just been a derailed by injuries, really. I mean, any team who loses their their best player for the majority of the season, you're going to struggle. But um, I definitely think they would classify the season as a disappointment, even given the injuries. I mean, yeah, they have only been playing with. They got Allison Mira back, I think February fifth, and ever since then, that that's they haven't had. They've had their full roster since February fifth, so only a few games. Um, it does take a few games to gel, but. There's just been too many, too many big losses, too many important losses. They haven't really taken the step that they would like to. Um, I mean, just certain couple things off the court. Um, I think they announced they had like a 3.0 GPA for the team. That's really impressive. I mean, it's not the most talked about thing, but I think it's something worth mentioning. Um, they did sign like the number seven recruiting class in the country, according to ESPN rankings back in November. So things are looking up. Um, but I just do think, uh, and after a few seasons, Coach Track will be disappointed to uh, – not earn that tournament bid if they don't, which it looks like they're not going to right now. They're kind of on the bubble. Um, they're going to probably get an eight or nine seed in the Pac-12 tournament. First game's on Wednesday. Um, they'll probably end up playing an eight or nine seed in the first round. And if they get through then, they're eventually going to have to play one of these top four teams in the conference. I mean, you have um, Oregon, UCLA, Arizona, and Stanford. They're all very good teams. At some point, USC is going to have to take down one of those teams if they want to make a run in the Pac-12 tournament. If they are successful in a tournament, that can get them a tournament, uh, NCAA tournament berth. But right now, it's not looking very likely. Um, I mean, just in terms of what we're seeing on the court, I'll try to wrap this up here. But I mean, when your <laughs> second leading rebounder is um, Endia Rogers, that's your point guard. I mean, no one on the team is averaging more than five rebounds per game. Last year, I think they had two starters regularly averaging uh, more than six a game. So they're not rebounding as well. Um, I, mean, I mean, they had the injuries. They, they haven't really found their rhythm offensively. There's a lot of things to point to. Um, I mean, who knows? I could be talking about an impressive run in the Pac-12 tournament um, a week from now. But um I just don't see it happening. It's been a combination of too many things. We'll see. 
Yeah, and last thing, I know I, I rambled a lot about women's basketball, but I just want to make one more point. I mean, I think it's always, we always look for the third option on a team. I think the third option is so crucial. And on this team, I think specifically this year, Jordan Sanders and India Rogers were excellent on the offensive end. They both average in double digits, um, but they didn't have that third option. I mean, you get the occasional strong scoring performance from Amaya Oliver, Angel Jackson, Jordan Jenkins, Shalexis Aaron or Desiree Caldwell, but none of them were, were consistently scoring in double digits enough to kind of really become that third option. Um, Peely, I mean, in 11 games, I think she scored in double digits six times, but it's just kind of been a little uh, too little too late. I think if Peely were able to join the team uh, earlier in the season and kind of they were to really have that three-headed uh, scoring attack with Sanders, Rogers, and Peely all kind of averaging at or around 15 points a game, that'd really be a good uh, scoring base for to, to give you every game. But um, I think, yeah, there's just a combination of too many injuries and not really being able to gel as a team that they're, they're not going to be able to reach the ceiling that they would have liked. Okay, thank you, David. That's a good point. I honestly do. You know, it was a tough season for them. Definitely. And obviously in a conference like we've talked about it before, the Pac-12 is just scary deep. I mean, top four teams in the conference are all ranked. And you have teams like Stanford and Oregon, obviously UCLA. It's difficult. There's still there's still a lot of great players on this squad. At least Apili, one of them. They're outstanding. So they've got great young talent. And we'll have to see what happens next season. But going into the tournament, if they can squeak out, win a game, that'll be, that'll be good momentum going into next year. I remember they talked about it beginning of this year that they were building off what they had towards the end of the season or ends of end of their season last year they'd kind of got more chemistry together and maintained it and built on it and I think it's going to be elevated towards the next season so we'll have to see what happens but there are obviously more sports like I've mentioned than men's basketball and women's basketball Taylor what are some updates of the wild wild sports in Trojan land the wild, wild west of USC athletics, yo. Um, so first up, we got a shout out to water polo. Um, our number one women's team just defeated Arizona State at the ASU Invitational 16 to eight, which is huge. Um, they play them again tomorrow. And then as uh, they play number six ranked Michigan Saturday and Sunday as well. So that's a really big matchup. And so far they're undefeated. It's a great squad to look out for. They have NCAA national title champion uh, hopes and dreams. And so let's just hope that they can get that far. Um, the number four men's water polo squad is four and seven overall. So a little bit of a rocky start. Um, but I think we got to remember that this season it's expedited because the water polo squad is usually uh, competing in the fall and that was obviously not uh, possible this year so they took a dub over UCLA um, and so now they're heading over to um, into tournament season with optimistic hopes um, again they have an incredibly difficult lineup if you guys didn't know the Pac-12 and just the west coast in general is incredibly competitive in the collegiate water polo field uh, in terms of tennis, um, tennis is seeing some action. Um, as we record this podcast, the men's tennis team is playing against TCU and are set to face our crosstown rivals on Sunday. And women's tennis is looking to bounce back from their current loss um, to UCLA today and will face Oklahoma State on Saturday at noon in Los Angeles. And then the baseball squad is in action again. Um, really exciting. It was awesome to cover the series last week against LMU where we took the dub two to one. Um, they are now playing Cal Poly and they are just finishing up their first game as we record. 
Yes, a plethora of sports, and I will dive into the rest right now. Obviously, women's track last, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago, they dominated at the Texas Tech shootout. Excuse me. They finished first in multiple events, the women's 4x4 final, the 60-meter, the 400-meter, the mile, the 60-meter hurdles. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It was very impressive. And obviously, the in terms of men's, um, at the Texas Tech Matador qualifier, they won all six events that they were entered in. So pretty impressive outing. Um, it's obviously very tough nowadays with no fans or anything. But great performances. Um, and another team, number 15, lacrosse. They are 1-2. They lost to Boston College earlier today. Their next matchup is against UC Davis, March 7th. Another exciting... I love lacrosse, so if you're interested in watching lacrosse, I mean, it's pretty fun to watch. We'll definitely check them out. Beach Volleyball, number four ranked. They beat Pepperdine in the series Thursday, and they will play Cal Poly in UCLA Thursday. Beach Volleyball, for anyone who's tried Beach Volleyball can attest to this, that is not easy, but it is fun to watch. You should definitely consider doing it. More volleyball, though, with men's volleyball. They're currently uh, one and three, and they're actually playing Pepperdine as we record Friday, February 26th. So they were currently losing by the time we were recording, so I don't have any updates about their match. But uh, they will be playing BYU next Friday. And then women's volleyball, they're three and five. Their next match is scheduled against Washington State next Friday. So lots of interesting, entertaining sports are going on. It's not just, you know, the footballs and the basketballs. And that will do for this edition of Talking Troy. Next week, by the way, we will have our sports extra coming out for the UCLA USC men's basketball game, which is Saturday, March 6th. Definitely check it out. Make sure to follow us, DT underscore sports on Twitter. That's it. Taylor, anything you want to add as we go into March? Yeah, um, I didn't know that a West Coast school could be pretty good at lacrosse. That's pretty awesome. Um, and fun fact, the like hair that comes out of the helmet, like at the end on your neck, that's called lettuce in lacrosse terms. So if there's any lacrosse hit people out there, I am of your culture. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> lettuce? Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any other... I don't know how to follow that up. But yeah, that's pretty pretty interesting. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you all for joining us. Make sure to listen, and we will see you all next week.